Have you ever had to unlearn something? Especially something that you have heard most of your life? It's usually very hard to do. But today, I dare say, most of us may have a chance to unlearn some of the things that we have always taken as gospel. I'm going to ask you to suspend, as much as possible, what you know or think you know about today's story from the beginning of Genesis. Because I personally think that 2,000 years of interpretation of the story of Adam, Eve, a snake, and a piece of fruit have led us all amok. Now, I first became fascinated with this idea in seminary years ago. I took a class called Biblical Foundations of Jewish and Christian Differences. And it was there that I learned the stunning truth that our Jewish brothers and sisters do not have such notions as original sin or primal evil of human beings. And I learned that while we both start our Bible with these exact same stories, we end up in very different places in our understanding of what they mean to us. And I will admit that I left that class often joking, I think I really want to be Jewish. The guilt, the shame, the terminal need for redemption are not part of their story the way they are part of our story. Most of us were taught a lot of things from this story of the Garden of Eden, and in my mind, most of it is bad. Did you learn that this is how death entered the world? Or perhaps you learned that this was where evil first began. Were you taught that men were to lord it over women from this story? Or perhaps that humanity is forever in a state of punishment because of what happened in the garden? Perhaps you were told that women were dangerous and temptresses, or worse, that women were the cause of all that is bad in the world. I dare say that all of us have learned to identify this story as the fall, the fall from grace. And I am here today to say no to all of that. If ever there was a biblical story that exemplified the ways that humans can twist it, overlay their own cultural needs upon it, and take it to justifying ends means this is that story. There is so much that needs a closer look, in my opinion, in this story. So let's start with the easiest of all, the apple. It was not an apple. We don't know what it was, but we do know that apples didn't grow in that part of the world. Pomegranates have been suggested, but we still don't know. So I like fruit. It was just some sort of fruit. But you can see how even apples got the bad end of the stick with some of these interpretations. And of course, there is Eve. She is created from a rib from the man's side. He is made from the earth. She is just one act removed from the earth. You heard today she is made to be a partner. There is no hierarchy here. There is nothing that suggests she is less than what she has been made from the man. No, she is his equal, his partner. And that was God's goal. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper to be his partner. The imagery and language echo the first creation story of chapter 1. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. In neither of these accounts is there anything to indicate that Eve or women of all time are subordinate to the man. 
but she has been created after all the other animals in this version. She has been created after the beautiful garden. She has been created after the man was placed in the garden. And she has been created after God laid out the ground rules for the man. Remember those? Well, actually, there weren't many rules at all. In fact, there was only one rule. The man was placed in the beautiful garden to till it and keep it, to enjoy and admire it, and he could eat from any of the trees he wanted. Well, any but one. Just one little rule. No eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But remember, Eve wasn't there yet to hear the rule. Once she is created, everything seems in order and in place. God has created a man and a woman to be partners. God has given them a vocation to tend and till the garden. God has given them vast freedom. They may eat a huge variety of fruits from the trees. And God has given them one boundary, one little boundary. They may have everything, everything they need and want, except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What could possibly go wrong? Well, we know, don't we? Enter the serpent. The serpent who engages Eve in conversation. And Eve becomes the first person ever to have a theological discussion. That just means to talk about God. Now, it's with a snake, but still, she is the first one to have a theological discussion. And the serpent asks her, did God say you cannot eat from any of the trees in the garden? Well, it's a crafty question, all right. It's like the lawyer's question in court, have you stopped beating your wife? There is no simple yes or no answer. But Eve does her best, and she actually goes one better because she adds this interesting addition that they cannot even touch the tree of knowledge. Where did she get that? Did Adam tell her that? Is it her own embellishment to really make the point with the snake? We don't know. But the serpent keeps digging. Oh, you surely won't die, he says. Eve ponders what the snake has said, and of course she takes from some fruit, eats it, and hands it to Adam, who has been standing there the whole time. And of course he eats it too. Nowhere do we hear Eve tempt him, or deceive him, or cajole him. He takes and eats of his own free will, just as she did. She is clearly not the cause of his downfall. And then along comes God, just happening to stroll through the garden like a tuned-in parent as I spoke with the kids. What have you two been up to here? And instead of fessing up, they do both go on the defensive, and Adam goes so far as to blame God. That woman you gave me? And of course, Eve tries to blame the snake. And now a very interesting thing happens or I should say doesn't happen. What was the one rule and the one boundary? Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or on that day you will die? Well, they don't die, do they? Instead, they are expelled from the garden. And why are they expelled? Not because of what they did, but because of what they might do. Scripture is clear. Now they might reach out, and eat from the tree of life and live forever. In other words, death was always a part of the plan for them. 
They were created as mortal beings from the beginning. There was never any question that they would not die. It was just a matter of when. Now, I love this piece of the story because it is the first story of grace, God's abundant grace. It is the first chance we see of what will be God's continual interaction with humanity. God will set a boundary, humanity will cross it, and God will respond with love rather than wrath and punishment. God told the man he would die that day if he eat, ate the fruit, but instead, God gives the man and woman another chance. Yes, they got much less than the promised, deserved, legitimate punishment. They got grace. It is not death that follows their dis disobedience, but life. Now, it is a challenging life, to be sure, but it is life rather than death because God always insists on life. Now, there are consequences to what they did. Those consequences include leaving at Eden, as well as other pronouncements about the state their lives and the world will follow. There will be disruption throughout in relationships, in work, in family, but they do not die. This is not a story about how death entered the world. Death was already part of the world. It's also not a story about evil. The story actually isn't concerned at all about evil. Evil already existed. There was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil already. Okay, Leslie, well, what then is this story about? Well, I think it is about autonomy, free will, and the acknowledgement that we will be faced all our lives with decisions and questions. I think it is a story that explains that there are consequences to our decisions. And it is also a story that makes you wonder what would have happened if Eve had not eaten the fruit. Well, I think life as we know it would not exist. Adam and Eve lived in the garden at the level of the animals. They talked with snakes. They were naked and they didn't know it. It was bliss but it was an ignorant bliss. Yes, we struggle with work and family and relationships, but that is the real stuff of human life. It is what makes us human and different from the animals and, of course, different from God. Rabbi Harold Kushner's take on this story is something I think is beautiful. He writes, the Garden of Eden is the story of the first human beings graduating, evolving from the relatively uncomplicated world of animal life to the immensely complicated world of being human and knowing that there is more to life than eating and mating and that there are such things as good and evil they enter a world where they will inevitably make mistakes, not because they are weak or bad, but because the choices they confront will be such difficult ones. But the satisfactions will be equally great. He continues, the story of the Garden of Eden is not a story of the fall of man, but of the emergence of humankind. I don't believe that eating from the tree of knowledge was sinful. I believe it was one of the bravest 
and most liberating events in the history of the human race. For the person who has experienced the complex, hard-earned satisfactions of human existence, there is no doubt that it is all worth the pain. We are created with free will to make choices of our own. Clearly, Adam and Eve were able to make that choice, and the same is true for us. The question for us is, how will we make our choices? Will God be a part of the decision-making process? Will we honor the boundaries God has set for us or choose to cross them? Our choices will have implications for us, as well as our relationships with others and, of course, with God. Life is easier when we can honor those boundaries God has set. Life is smoother when we can accept that there are things we cannot know about God or life itself. But this story assures us that even when we make what seem like bad choices, God's grace will be there for us. Yes, there will be consequences for every decision we make, some better than others, but God's desires for us are always for life, and God's love is a constant in our lives. We do not start life, in my opinion, with the stain of Adam and Eve's sin that must be washed clean. We do start life with their curiosity, their free will, and their ability to cross God's boundaries. It is worth noting that all the commentators I read for this sermon agreed on one thing. They all vigorously disagree with these traditional teachings of the church, every single one of them. So Eve, one of the first two humans made to be partners, the first to have a theological discussion, the first to exercise her free will. She will go on to the full experience of humanity. She will have children. She will be the first mother whose heart will break at the loss of a child when Abel is murdered. She will be the first mother to bear the heartache of a child who has gone bad, Cain. And according to Harold Kushner, she is the hero of the Garden of Eden story, curious, courageous, and setting humanity into the fullness of its true experience. Amen.